Welcome to Primary Cast, your unofficial study group for the ASIM primary exam. I'm Charlotte Durand and I'm your host, and each episode I'm joined by a special guest to cover some of the core content from the ASIM primary exam. Now, this episode has been a little bit delayed because we've had some technical difficulties on my end, so thank you for bearing with me. And a special thank you to everyone who has reached out via email or contacted me on Twitter with some feedback. I really appreciate all your thoughts and suggestions. A huge congratulations to anyone who recently passed their MCQ written exam and who's now sort of heading in towards sitting the viva in the next couple of weeks. You guys have done such a good job and I hope that some of these podcast episodes have helped you in your quest to getting through this hurdle. For this episode, we're doing part two of lower limb anatomy. You remember we did part one earlier on in the series where we covered hip, femur and thigh. And today we're gonna be covering the knee and the lower leg as well as the ankle and foot. This is such a big topic and we wanted to make sure that we're getting in enough detail. So Anna has agreed to come back and record part two with me today. Now, as with all the other anatomy subjects or the anatomy topics, I should say, make sure that you are going through and looking at the models and the pictures and making sure that you can talk your way through the different scans and the different images in the text because they do come up. And I know that we certainly had some pictures in ours for all of our anatomy questions and it's definitely useful if you've seen them before. So we can't obviously do that in our recording now, but definitely worth doing uh, when you get the chance. Anna, thank you so much for coming back for another episode on Primary Cast. It's a pleasure to have you back. No worries, Charlotte. Thanks for having me. So we're doing part two today and we're going to start off with the knee. Now, what you are likely to get in your questions about anatomy, as mentioned before, is that you'll be handed an x-ray. So we don't have the visual today, but Anna, can you please identify and describe what features you're looking for on an x-ray of the knee? Okay, so uh, looking at the femur. We've got the medial and lateral condyles and epicondyles and the adductor tubercle. On the tibia, we've got the medial and lateral condyles that form the tibial plateau. There's the intercondylar eminence in the middle of the plateau, which is formed by the medial and lateral intercondylar tubercles. Further distally on the tibia is the tibial tuberosity. On the fibula, you've got the head and the tibiofibular joint, which is where it articulates with the tibia. And then you've got the patella. And what are some of the factors which stabilise the knee joint? So we have both muscular and ligamentous factors with little to no bony contribution. In the knee, it's primarily the strength and actions of surrounding muscles and their tendons. Most importantly is the quadriceps femoris, especially the vastus lateralis and medialis. Ligaments connecting the fibre and tibia Um, So the main ones are the anterior and posterior cruciates and medial and lateral collaterals. And can you describe the movement of the knee joint and the muscles involved? Sure. So we've got extension, and that's uh, primarily quadriceps femoris. Uh, Flexion, which is by semitendinosus, semimembranosus, biceps femoris. Medial rotation when flexed. Um, is semitendinosus and semimembranosus. When non-weight-bearing and knee is extended is popliteus. Lateral rotation when flexed is biceps femoris. 
Can you describe the process of locking and unlocking of the knee as the joint is extended and flexed? Sure. So when you're going from flexion to extension, the lateral condyle completes its extension just short of full extension and the lateral condyle then rotates forward around a taut ACL and the medial condyle glides backwards as full extension approaches. The result is approximately 10 degrees of hyperextension. In that position, the knee is passively locked. Um, the knee unlocks through contraction of the popliteus, rotating the femur laterally on the tibial plateau to allow flexion. Okay, so can you describe the anatomical features and attachments of the cruciate ligaments? I like to think of it when I'm talking about cruciate ligaments. If you imagine that you're standing up and you cross one leg in front of the other, your legs form the arrangements of the cruciate for whichever leg is in the front. Mm-hmm. So you've got, in terms of ligaments, um, you've got anterior and posterior cruciates. Uh, the posterior one is the shorter and stronger one. They are intracapsular but extrasynovial and they cross each other in the form of an X with the anterior one lying in front. So the anterior cruciate arises from the anterior intercondylate eminence and it passes superiorly and posterolaterally to insert on the medial aspect of the lateral femoral condyle. The posterior cruciate arises from the posterior intercondylate area of the tibia and it passes superiorly and anteromedially to insert on the lateral aspect of the medial femoral condyle. So if we're talking about the right side, the posterior cruciate goes up to the left and forward. Mm -hmm. What are the actions of the cruciates? So they are the most important factor in stabilising the knee joint. The anterior cruciate prevents posterior movement of the femur on the tibia uh, and limits hyperextension of the knee. And the posterior cruciate limits anterior movement of the femur on the tibia and it prevents hyperflexion of the knee. Great. And please identify the other ligaments of the knee joint and their attachments. So you have the patella ligament, which originates in the apex of the patella and attaches on the tibial tuberosity. There's the fibula or the lateral collateral ligament, which is from the lateral epicondyle of the femur to the lateral surface of the fibula head. There's the tibial or the medial collateral ligament, uh, and that's from the medial epicondyle of the femur to the lateral and superior aspect of the tibia. It also has a deep component that attaches directly to the medial meniscus. You also have the posterior oblique ligament and the arcuate ligament. Great. And finally, what are the actions of the collateral ligaments? So the collateral ligaments are taut in extension and relax in flexion, and they assist with knee stability on extension. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the menisci and the capsule. Anna, what are the attachments of the menisci? So the menisci are attached to the intercondylar area of the tibia and are C-shaped fibrocartilage. They thicken towards the joint margins and the external parts are attached to the capsule. There are two ligaments, which are coronary ligaments from articular margins of the femur and tibia. 
The medial meniscus has an anterior horn which is attached to the intercondylar area of the tibia in front of the ACL and a posterior horn in front of the PCL. The medial meniscus is firmly attached to the deep medial collateral ligament and is less mobile than the lateral meniscus. The lateral meniscus has both horns attached to the intercondylar area of the tibia immediately in front of and behind the intercondylar spine. Can you describe the capsular attachments of the knee? So the capsule of the knee is attached to the margins of the articular surfaces. The femoral attachments are to the proximal margin of the condyles posteriorly. Anteriorly, there is a deficit allowing for the suprapatellar bursa and the capsule blends with the patella, retinacular and ligament. And laterally, there's a passage of popliteus tendon and there's an attachment to the head of the fibula. Medially, there's a deep component of the MCL and meniscus and there's a weak attachment to both menisci. Can you describe the articulations between the tibia and the fibula? So there are two articulations between the tibia and the fibula. There's the tibiofibular joint superiorly and tibiofibular syndesmosis inferiorly. The tibiofibular joint is a synovial joint between the fibular head and the tibial condyle, and the tibiofibular syndesmosis is a compound fibrous joint which is part of the interosseous membrane and the anterior-posterior tibiofibular ligaments. Okay, Charlotte, so what are the boundaries and contents of the popliteal fossa? So this is an important question, and they can show you that dissection image from the book, so it's useful to have seen that before the exam. Uh, The superior border is formed by the biceps femoris laterally and the semimembranosus medially. The inferior border is formed by the medial and lateral heads of the gastroc, as well as the plantaris muscle on the lateral side. The contents from medial to lateral are the popliteal artery, the popliteal vein, which is from the small saphenous vein, the tibial nerve, which branches to the common fibular nerve. And it's helpful to use that nerve to figure out what side you're on because the common fibular nerve uh, always goes towards the fibula, so it's always going laterally. So, Anna, next we're going to talk about some of the nerves. Can you outline the course of the common fibular nerve and its branches? Sure. So the common fibular nerve originates from the sciatic nerve as it bifurcates in the apex of the popliteal fossa. It passes over the posterior head of the fibula and then winds around the fibular neck. It divides into the superior and deep fibular nerve and also gives a branch to the knee joint. The common fibular nerve supplies the skin of the posterior leg with the superficial branch uh, supplying the motor supply to the lateral compartment and the sensory supply to the distal third of the anterior leg and foot. The deep branch provides the motor supply to the anterior muscles of the leg and the dorsum of the foot as well as the sensory supply to the first web space. And that's definitely a favourite question for the MCQ. Mm, Indeed. What functional deficit results from injury to the common fibular nerve and why? Injury to the common fibular nerve uh, generally results in foot drop, which is a loss of innervation of extensor muscle function. And so those extensor muscles are tibialis anterior, extensor digitorum longus, peroneus tertius, and extensor hallucis longus. That results in a high-stepping gait, 
inability to avert the foot due to a loss of innovation to fibularis longus and brevis and sensory loss to the first web space of the dorsum of the foot. And can you outline the course of the tibial nerve? Yeah, so the tibial nerve is formed at the apex of the popliteal fossa by the bifurcation of the sciatic nerve. This runs vertically in the popliteal fossa with the popliteal artery and passes between the heads of the gastroc and deep to the tendinous arch of the soleus. It then runs inferiorly in the tibialis posterior with posterior tibial vessels and divides into the medial and lateral plantar nerves under the flexor retinaculum. It has only one cutaneous branch, and that is the sural nerve. And what functional deficit results from a tibial nerve injury at the knee, and why? A tibial nerve injury at the knee will result in motor loss um, and sensory loss. So the motor losses include being unable to stand on tiptoes due to the loss of plantar flexors, such as soleus, tibialis posterior, flexor digitorum longus, and flexor hallucis longus. It also results in a loss of ability to flex the toes. And inversion is weakened, but still possible due to tibialis anterior. Sensory loss includes the loss of sensation over the sole of the foot from the loss of medial calcaneal, medial and lateral plantar nerves. Okay, Charlotte, how does the popliteal artery supply the leg and foot? So the popliteal artery divides into the posterior and anterior tibial arteries at the lower border of the popliteus. The fibular artery, which supplies the posterior and lateral compartments of the leg, branches off the posterior tibial artery. The bit before they divide is sometimes called the tibioperineal trunk, uh, but it doesn't really matter how you phrase it in the exam. The posterior tibial artery runs in the posterior compartment and is then palpable just behind the medial malleolus. It then divides into the medial and lateral plantar arteries, which supply the sole of the foot. The anterior tibial artery runs in the anterior compartment and then crosses anteriorly over the ankle where it becomes the dorsalis pedis. Okay. And commencing with its origin in the foot, describe the course and relations of the long saphenous vein. So it commences at the medial side of the dorsal venous arch and it courses upwards in front of the medial malleolus. It crosses behind the medial border of the tibia and passes behind the knee. It travels up the medial aspect of the thigh and then passes through the cribriform fascia where it joins the femoral vein. There are perforating veins which connect the long saphenous to the deep system in the foot, in the mid-calf and in the thigh. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the anterior compartment of the leg. Anna, can you identify the muscles of the anterior compartment and describe their attachments? Sure. So there are four muscles in the anterior compartment of the leg. These are tibialis anterior, extensor digitorum longus, extensor hallucis longus, and fibularis tertius. Tibialis anterior originates from the lateral condyle and the superior lateral surface of the tibia and the interosseous membrane. It attaches to the medial cuneiform and base of the first metatarsal. And tibialis anterior will dorsiflex and evert the foot. 
Extensa digitorum longus originates from the lateral condyle of the tibia and the superior medial fibula and interosseous membrane. It attaches to the middle and distal phalanges of the lateral four digits and uh, EDL will dorsiflex the ankle and extend the lateral four digits. Extensa hallucis longus arises from the middle anterior fibula and the interosseous membrane. It attaches to the dorsum of the base of the distal phalanx of the great toe and EHL will dorsiflex the ankle and extend the toe. And fibularis tertius originates from the inferior third of the anterior fibula and interosseous membrane and it attaches at the base of the fifth metatarsal and this one will dorsiflex and evert the foot. And what nerves supply the muscles of the anterior compartment? So these muscles are supplied by the deep fibular nerve and tibialis anterior is supplied by L4, L5, whereas all the others are supplied by L5, S1. Okay, so now we're moving on to the lateral compartment of the leg. So Charlotte, can you identify and describe the fibularis muscles? So there are three fibularis muscles, the fibularis longus, brevis and tertius. And the tertius is actually in the anterior compartment, which we have already covered. So in the lateral compartment is fibularis longus, which originates from the head and upper shaft of the fibula. It passes deep to the superior fibula retinaculum behind the lateral malleolus and then deep to the inferior retinaculum. It then passes inferior to the fibula trochlea of the calcaneus through a groove in the cuboid and crosses the sole of the foot to insert on the base of the first metatarsal and the medial cuneiform. The fibularis brevis originates in the distal shaft of the fibula, originates on the distal shaft of the fibula. It passes behind the lateral malleolus and superior to the fibula trochlea of the calcaneus. It inserts on the base of the fifth metatarsal. What nerve supplies these muscles? So fibularis longus and brevis are supplied by the superficial fibular nerve and then fibularis tertius is supplied by the deep fibular nerve because it's in that anterior compartment. Great. And what are the actions of the fibular muscles? So primarily they evert the foot, they stabilise the foot in the toe-off phase of walking and running They do some weak plantar flexion via fibularis longus and brevis as they run posterior to the axis of the ankle joint. And then fibularis tertius has a weak dorsiflexor action, which is more in line with the other anterior compartment muscles. Great. And what joints are involved with inversion and eversion of the foot? So there is the subtalar or the talocalcaneal joint and then the transverse tarsal joint, which includes the calcaneocuboid and the talonavicular joints. So the next question is about the posterior compartment of the leg. Mm-hmm. Anna, what are the muscles in the posterior compartment? So we have both superficial and deep muscles in the posterior compartment of the leg. The superficial muscles are gastrocnemius, soleus and plantaris, and the deep muscles are popliteus, flexor digitorum longus, tibialis posterior and flexor hallucis longus. And what are the attachments of the superficial muscles? Gastrocnemius has two heads. The lateral head originates from the lateral femoral condyle and the medial head from the surface of the femur above the medial femoral condyle. It inserts into the calcaneal tendon with fibres from the soleus. 
Soleus arises from the posterior aspect of the superior part of the fibula, the soleal line and the medial border of the tibia, with a tendinous arch between these attachments, and it inserts into the calcaneal tendon. The plantaris originates from the inferior end of the lateral supracondylar line of the femur. And can you describe the actions of the muscles of the deep compartment? Mm-hmm. So popliteus pulls the lateral meniscus posteriorly during knee flexion and it assists the posterior cruciate ligament in preventing anterior displacement of the femur on the tibial plateau when standing with the knee flexed. It also unlocks the knee via laterally rotating the femur. Flexor hallucis longus flexes all the joints of the great toe and supports the medial longitudinal arch of the foot. Flexor digitorum longus flexes the lateral four digits and supports the longitudinal arches of the foot. And tibialis posterior uh, provides plantar flexion and inversion. And which muscles form the Achilles tendon? The Achilles tendon is formed by the gastrocnemius and soleus and sometimes has input from the plantaris muscle. Where does the Achilles tendon insert? The Achilles tendon inserts at the superior uh, posterior aspect of the calcaneus. And what is the nerve supply to these muscles? The nerve supply is the tibial nerve, which is a branch of the sciatic nerve. And what about the blood supply to these muscles? The blood supply um, to gastrocnemius is by the sural artery, which is a branch of the popliteal artery, and the soleus is supplied by the posterior tibial and perineal arteries. So, Charlotte, we're moving on to the ankle now. Um, what structures make up the ankle joint? So, this is the distal ends of the tibia and fibula plus the talus. And what movements occur through this joint? Plantar flexion and dorsiflexion. In what position of the foot is the ankle most unstable and why? This is in plantar flexion because in that position, the trochlea, which is the superior part of the talus, that's the most narrow at the posterior end, sits the most loosely in the mortise between the malleoli. What are the ligaments that stabilise the ankle? So there are lateral and medial ligaments. So the lateral ligaments arise from the lateral malleolus and you've got the anterior talofibular ligament which is the weakest and is injured often in inversion injuries, the posterior talofibula, which is really strong, and then the calcaneofibular ligament. The medial ligament, which is also sometimes called the deltoid, fans out from the medial malleolus uh, and attaches to the talus via the anterior and posterior tibiotalar ligaments, the calcaneus via the tibiocalcaneal ligament, and the navicular via the tibionavicular ligament. What structures run posterior to the medial malleolus? So this question is the one that everyone usually uses the mnemonic Tom, Dick and Very Nervous Harry, and that is to describe the structures from medial to lateral. So T is for tibialis posterior, D is for flexor digitorum longus, A is for the posterior tibial artery, V is for the posterior tibial vein, N is for the tibial nerve, and H is the flexor hallucis longus. Mm-hmm. 
So now we're going to talk about the foot. Mm-hmm. Anna, can you please identify on a non-existent model <laughs> that we don't have here uh, the bones that make up the foot? Sure. So we have the talus, calcaneus, cuboid, navicular, cuneiforms, and they are the medial, intermediate, and lateral, and then your metatarsals and phalanges. And can you describe the sensory innervation of the foot? Yeah, so we have a saphenous nerve which supplies the medial dorsum to the base of the big toe, um, a superficial fibular nerve which supplies the rest of the dorsum. The deep fibular nerve supplies the first web space. The sural nerve does the lateral edge of the foot and the medial and lateral plantar nerves supply the medial and lateral plantar surface. The medial calcaneal nerve supplies the heel. And... If you were wanting to block those nerves, where would you infiltrate your local anaesthetic? So to block the posterior tibial nerve, you'd uh, infiltrate between the Achilles tendon and the medial malleolus. And to block the sural nerve, you'd infiltrate between the Achilles, turn, uh, Achilles tendon and the lateral malleolus. Can you identify the structures that lie deep to the extensor retinaculum? Yeah, so for this one, we've got another fun mnemonic. Um, It's Timothy has a very nasty, dirty toe. Um, (laughs) So use that if the mnemonics are your jam. Um, So Timothy is T for tibialis anterior. Has is H for extensor hallucis longus. Um, A, anterior tibial artery. Very, which is anterior tibial vein. And then... We've got N, which is the deep fibular nerve, D, extensor digitorum longus, and T, or toe, for fibularis tertius. And can you please describe the venous drainage of the foot? Mm-hmm. So we have superficial and deep veins. Uh, the deep veins are paired with arteries and are internal to the deep fascia, and superficial veins are not accompanied by arteries, but they're in the subcutaneous fa- space. They have perforating veins that provide one-way shunting of blood from superficial to deep, and the dorsal venous arch of the metatarsals drains into the dorsal venous arch of the foot. The plantar venous network either becomes the medial marginal vein, which becomes the great saphenous vein, or it becomes the lateral marginal vein, which becomes the small saphenous vein. Great, thank you. And you were asked a question in your viva about the foot. Yeah, What did they ask you? Um, So they asked a similar question to what we had before, just identifying the bones of the foot, which I think most of us would be able to do. Um, But what caught me out and what I'd um, maybe not looked over as best as I could have uh, was the um, arches of the foot and all of the contributing structures to the arches of the foot. So that's something else I'd recommend going Mm. over. Well, we haven't covered that today, but if it's come up in a previous one, um, it might be useful to go over. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of goes to show that, yes, everything that has been done before is fair game, but there's also things that don't appear in past exams that can show up. Um, it just also shows that the ones that you don't study or the ones that you have elected to just forego and the ones that catch you out in the viva are the ones that you will remember because <laughs> yep, you always absolutely. remember the ones that you can't get but you forget the ones that you nailed absolutely and it's about learning how to pick up when you can't answer the question and just keep 
moving on mm. and not letting that weigh you down when you can't answer the question. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Just if you, they can't give you marks if you say nothing. So yeah. you just keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Anna. It's been a pleasure to have you back. No um, worries. Thanks for having me back. It's and, been great. And then I'm sure we'll get you around for another <laughs> episode in the future. Yeah, I've enjoyed being back in the upgraded pillow fort. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have a new podcast booth <laughs> for everyone who... Um, who hasn't seen it yet. It's very (laughs) luxurious. All right. Thanks. Thanks. It then passes underneath the fiblia. It then... (laughs) (laughs) It then passes under... (laughs) Top laugh. We've got so much fibula to go. It's going to be a long night. No, I've got to go to work. You've got to go to work. I have to get it done. I have to go to work. Oh, dear. Okay. All right. (laughs) Should I go over there? No. It then passes underneath the fibula. That's really hard to say. It is. Fibula trochlea.